Welcome to Unfuck Your Head. I am your host, Kat Jordan. It's time to take action, get out of bed, smell the new day, and unfuck your head. Your head. Okay, so we're here with Chelsea from Indoor Life. Since I can remember, I've always wanted to help people. Since I was really, really little, I just didn't know kind of what way I wanted to go. I didn't know what type of people or if I just wanted to like do a nonprofit overall for kids or whatever, but I wasn't really sure how I wanted to help. I just always wanted to help people. And as I was getting older, suicide kind of was something that was consistent in my life. Mm. Um, when I was, I want to say 12 in 2006, I actually lost my best friend, my childhood best friend to suicide. Wow. And that was, that was, uh, looking back, uh, it wasn't handled well, but at the same time, nobody really knew how to handle it. Um, I was in eighth grade and all the school counselors really had no idea what to do. They dealt with the people that bullied her more than the people that were affected by her because they would go in and act like they were the ones that were really close with her and everything. Right. So they kind of put her closest friends and everything on the back burner and dealt with those people instead. So we kind of got left in the dark. Um, like I went in there, I think a week after she passed away and they told me that I should just get over it. Oh my God. Yeah. Like you couldn't really talk to them about it. Cause they're just like, Oh, just get over it. But then I would go home and my parents didn't know how to deal with it. So it was kind of like something that I just like brushed under the rug for a really long time. Like instead of even going through it, I just kind of pretended like it didn't happen. Right. Because that was easier than getting like the door slammed in your face every time you tried to talk about it. Through that, I just, uh, I don't know, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd a little bit. I uh, didn't care about school anymore, and I just kind of, like, didn't really care because nobody cared about what I had to say, so I didn't really care. So I lost her in eighth grade, and then all of my ninth grade year was kind of like, started getting really bad grades, didn't go to school as much. And the only reason that I got out of that was because come soccer tryouts for high school I couldn't make the team because my grades weren't good enough yeah and that and that was one thing my best friend and I played soccer together and so that was one thing that's like always been very important to me even to this day I still coach soccer play soccer because that's the Um, way that you guys connected and so like in a lot of ways you're still honoring her by doing that when I'm on the field that's when I can feel like closer to her that's great so Right when they told me that I couldn't play, I was like, oh, like, I need to get it together. So that next year, I kind of, like, went back to being a good student, but not because I had worked through it. It was just, like, I didn't want it to ruin my next three years of high school soccer. Right. So I started doing better in life in general, but I still hadn't, like, I didn't even tell my friends until all through high school that I lost my best friend. And it had only happened, like, a year and a half prior to that. So I just didn't talk about it at all. And even to this day, my parents don't really talk about it. It's just like, I think they feel some sort of guilt that they handled it the way they did. Right. But so they don't talk about it more. Right. Because then they, you they know, can't tolerate like that level of like shame for not yeah. handling it the way yeah. it should have been. Which I don't put blame on them whatsoever. Like, right. I mean, my school counselors, they were meant to be there to help and they didn't even help. So like I said, this was in 2006. Like, people have a hard time talking about it now, but it's gotten a lot better than it was back then. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to your point about your school counselor, like, that's their job is to support kids through crises. And for the the feedback to be, as, as you described, too, like, having the doors kind of, like, slammed in your face of, like, get over it, totally invalidated any and all of your emotions and how you felt about the whole loss. Um, I'm curious because as you're describing going through high school, not really talking about it, 
was it something that was on your mind every day that you constantly had to either shelter or push away or would it only come if there was a specific reminder like how did you navigate those years uh i kind of stayed busy a lot like i was like playing soccer like all year round like on multiple teams so i kind of kept myself busy right because whenever i wasn't busy that's when i it would kind of like come in creep in so i was like pretty much busy the entire time i was in high school like i was just like always hanging out with my team like whether it's playing indoor club high school like I was just always with them so I didn't give my chance or myself a chance to really feel anything about it yeah and it sounded like you happened to have chosen a really great way to distract yourself like some sometimes there are good distractions and, and sometimes there are really unhealthy distractions and so playing soccer obviously is very uh, physiologically therapeutic but also, as you said, like you felt connected to her still kind of, I'm assuming like on a spiritual level, being on the field and playing soccer. So that must have been really powerful for you. Yeah, it was nice that I already had that outlet. So yeah. it was nice. Like I'm lucky in that aspect, right? I mean, I hung out with the wrong crowd for a little bit. But then like once I like, get disrupted with soccer, I was like, you know what? Like I'm done with that. I want to play soccer. So I'm really grateful that I had that previously and I had that with her because I kind of that was her way of being like okay you needed to get it together (laughs) right yeah so was there like a a specific aha moment like when you found out you weren't going to be able to play soccer um if your grades weren't better was it that moment that you were like okay I'm going 100% I'm gonna make this work or was it more gradual uh it was pretty immediate they were just like your grades aren't good enough and I was like I can only blame myself for this. And so then the next year I like got a 4-0 and was just like, you know what? I like completely flipped. That's but awesome. that was like that moment that I needed where it was like complete like heartbreak. But like I knew that I could only blame myself for that. So I was like, well, at least it's in my control. So Absolutely. And you did it. Yeah, I went on to play college and everything. So it was like I, I really like switched in that moment when they're like, you can't make it. I was like, that's not going to work. so how how did it also play out with playing soccer were you thoughtful in thinking about her as you were playing or again was it something that was kind of just in the background it was kind of in the background but just when I would step on the field I just felt better overall it wasn't something that I thought about really because it was just like that's how it was yeah it was like when I was on the field that's how I felt but I wasn't like I was like thinking necessarily thinking about her it was almost like we were like teammates again or something when you're on the field because you're just I was so used to having her on the field that that was just kind of how I always felt yeah yeah and I didn't even really go through that until uh, I want to say it was my second year in college um I actually lost my brother-in-law to suicide too oh my god when I found out it was kind of like I was going through like both both of them passing because like I hadn't dealt with hers so the similarities were like extreme that like even if I had worked through it I would have like it would have been a trigger like a hundred percent and so when that happened it was like I was grieving my brother-in-law that just passed away but I was also like trying to work through like these like five years of just like brushing my friend's passing under the rug so that was kind of another one of those moments where things uh kind of just like fell apart completely and I was in college when it happened I was actually walking into a midterm or had a break and was going into a midterm when I found out that he passed away so I uh you know I couldn't do my midterms I contacted my teachers and was like I just found out that like I had a sibling pass away because he was he was a really close part of my family him and my sister were together for uh since I was 10 like they were together forever and this happened in 2014 wow so I contacted my teachers and was telling them and they were like super cool about it they were like okay yeah just like come back we had like a break that next week so I was coming back in two weeks and they're like you can take your test then I'm like okay so I go like have the funeral get everything taken care of but when I go back to school and take my midterms they said since I took it late it could only get 50 percent what yeah yeah so I kept them like in the know the entire time and they said since I didn't take on time like, if I got 100%, I would only get 50%. Oh, my God. And that happened 
with all all four of my classes. And I that would have been, I would have had two more semesters and I would have been like done with school. And so by that time I'm like trying to, I didn't want to be at school. Like I didn't want to sit there and be at school because I was trying to like grieve all of this. So I take my midterms, like I do really well. Like I knew what I was doing. We all know that if you fail your midterm or get a really low grade, like your semester is just like screwed. Right. I was trying to do everything I could and they were just making it like they weren't working like at all with me. And I had to go talk to, I can't remember what they're called, but it's like the person right under the dean. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, well, you can only get pardoned from a semester because I was just trying to get it like not get my money back or anything. Just kind of trying to pretend like that semester didn't happen. Right. So it didn't kill your GPA. Right. Right. Yeah. And they were saying that the only way that I could do anything as if it was like a health issue. And I was like, does like nobody care about mental health? Or the fact that this was a death in the family. I mean. Yeah. And he worked at the school that I went to. So like they knew him. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm so appalled of yeah. that. That's insane. Yeah. No, the whole time I, this was happening, I was like, this can't be real. Like right. this is like a oh bad movie that I'm in. So uh, they basically told me that I had to like stick it out or it would look bad on my grade. So I'm like trying to stick it out. And I went to school for graphic design and photography. So uh, we were doing this final and it was like, I can't even exactly remember what it was, but they gave you like some guidelines. You had to take some photos. And like my teacher was grading them like the most ridiculous way. And he was just like grading it. I can't even remember, but he didn't like it. And so I got a bad grade on that. And I just like got up and walked out because I knew that was like, my semester was over. That was it. If I can't do good on a final, then like whatever. And I, that's when I stopped going to school. I actually dropped out because I just couldn't do it. Because I was just like, you guys aren't working with me. And like, I'm doing everything I possibly can. But I remember after I'd like left school and been like, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore right now. Like my teachers were reaching out to me and be like, oh, can we work with you? And it's a week after the semester. Like it's too late now. It is. Like I was trying to get it. I was trying to get this taken care of the entire time and like it's too late now. So I actually ended up not going back to school ever because of that. And luckily I'm using what I have now with Endure. I'm grateful that I went to school, but at the same time it was such a frustrating time because I was doing everything I possibly could to do the right thing, but they just weren't letting it. And so again, like the similarities with like the school counselors and everything, it was like literally replaying itself, but just like a different time in my life. Yeah, I was going to say the parallels, and, and you haven't even gone in and described what had happened to your, your friend and your brother-in-law, but like the parallels in terms of the support network that you had around you completely disregarding not just what had happened, but that how it would naturally affect you. And this time, you're also saying it's in 2014. That's like that was a time where way more people were understanding and were aware of suicide and yet there were still people who for whatever reason I mean we can draw numerous you know conclusions from their actions were just completely disregarding it and yeah and yeah I could see where you would just be like well fuck this you know I'm not gonna bother if I know my worth and my value isn't being appreciated not just in terms of like the the work that I'm producing but in terms of like what I'm dealing with the lack of compassion in that is really it angers me it really, I'm sorry yeah. that that was your experience. Yeah, well, and it was just, I'm sitting here trying not to have like an emotional breakdown because I'm going through the loss of my brother-in-law and on top of basically going through the loss of my best friend. Right. And they're just like, nobody's like helping me. And my parents are like, just stick out school, stick out school. I'm like, I'm about to freak the fuck out. Like I will like lose it. So finally I was just like, okay, like I cannot, I can't do this right now. So I ended up just leaving school, which I was playing soccer in college and everything, and nobody was nobody was willing to help me. And I'd been to that school for a long time, so they knew that that wasn't something that was like consistently my thing. Right. Like I would, I was passing every class. Like I was never dropping classes, so it's not like there was like building up to it. I was doing that. Like I was playing soccer. I got good enough grades to play there, so it was like like there was no winning for me in that situation. So I was like, I need to just take care of my mental health because nobody else is. And like, I'm not passing these classes anyway. So I'm just gonna step away from it. And my, my mom was actually pretty upset when I first left school, but I don't think she understood like the level of what I was going through. 
Right. Because at that point, I still didn't really know how to express myself. Because every time I did, they were anybody was like, oh, don't feel that way. That's not like words of encouragement. Like I can't just like not feel that way. Would the the comments of like, oh, don't feel that way come from just a statement of I'm sad, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I'm like, I miss this person, I can't believe this happened. What were some of the things that you said that that, that was the response? Pretty much just like that I was upset. Like, I wouldn't even be able to get into detail because it was just like before I could say anything else. It was like, oh, well, don't be. I'm like, okay, that helped. I'm like, I feel better now. Everything's cured because you told me not to feel this way. <laughs> so I never, I never really got to, like, actually express how I was feeling right. because it was like, I'm sad. And then I couldn't even say why before everybody was like, you shouldn't feel that way. Right. Okay. Actually, before my brother-in-law passed away, I kind of had the idea of Endure. Um, just because I wasn't sharing my story about my best friend, but I was hearing other people's stories. So, like, I knew that that wasn't an uncommon thing. Because when you first go through it, you just think that you're like, okay, like, this must happen, like, one in a billion. Right, especially as an adolescent. You know, like you said, you were in eighth grade. So it's not like you had this whole breadth of information about how the world worked, right? So... Yeah, that was like my world was like what was happening to me and I didn't know of anything else other than that. Yeah. So I wasn't particularly sharing my story, but like I saw that other people were going through things like that. And it was kind of just nice to know that I wasn't alone. Like it sucks that I'm not alone in that because like that means that other people are going through that. Right. But at the same time, like it was nice to be like, okay, like people actually understand this. Like my story wasn't unheard of and so nobody knew how to handle it like somebody in the world knows how to handle it and so I actually came up with the idea of Endure and was kind of working on a few things when I was in college um, just to get it started and uh, just playing with some ideas and that's kind of how it started going like I started it well before I even thought about overcoming I guess is the word the other things that I've gone through and I, I had no Like, I didn't take any business classes. I didn't know really anything about it. Like, I was just, like, Googling how to do it and just being like, okay, like, I'll figure this out myself. And I think that kind of came from the fact that I felt like I couldn't really talk to anybody. Like, I can't even say I'm sad. So if if I'm telling them that I want to build this company around something that makes them uncomfortable, that's not going to make them feel comfortable. So I applied and got my business license and everything. And I actually got my business license in the mail the day after my brother passed away. Oh, my God. That was kind of like my other aha moment that I'm like, okay, like I can't, I can't freak out too much. I need to like, this is what I need to do. Like I need to share my story. I need to work my way through it. So I had started Endure well before I even like started working through those emotions. It's grown with me. Like you can tell just where we started to now, like it's kind of just been like my story, my journey, but I want other people to know, kind of like I said, like as soon as I found out that other people had gone through that, I was like, wow, like nobody's talking about this, but this many people are going through it. So that was the whole reason why I started Endure. And that's kind of like my, my soccer because I got it right after my brother-in-law passed away. So it was like, that was like my moment of being like, okay, this is what I need to be doing with my life. Like this is obviously a really shitty situation, but we need to like use our stories, show others that they're not alone and kind of get it so we can talk about it. I mean, it's not something that I particularly enjoy talking about, but at the same time, it's something that we need to talk about. Right. It's not comfortable. It's not fun, but it is a necessity. And and your story highlights why it's a necessity. And thankfully, you have endured those losses, those tragedies, despite not having the support network that you needed. And, you know, as I'm hearing you describe your story, like one of the things that stands out to me is like your perseverance and like your resilience and like this this um, deep internal sense of independence, but in a way that is, I don't know, is like, is like your driving force. Like you don't need anyone else because you've grown up knowing that you had to be there for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just want to pause for a half a second because I, I wanted to go back to something that you said that I was really curious about. You mentioned that there was a few times where you started to hear other people's stories and um, that that was really a powerful moment for you. Where were you hearing these stories? It was actually in like books that I was reading 
for the most part, it was like books I was reading. And I was like, oh, like if somebody's writing about this, to some level of degree, it's happening. It's not like a Stephen King book where like he just like makes up some asinine thing. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm relating to this. Like right. it was something that was like I could relate to them. The genre of, have you heard of the book Go Ask Alice? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Like based on like other people's stories. I haven't read it in like a really long time, but I remember that was one of the stories that I, like it was a true story. I mean, obviously some things were changed, but like that's the type of books I would read. It's kind of like about other people's stories. And so many of them were about people attempting or people losing someone to suicide. And it was like, okay, like if somebody's writing about this, it's obviously happening. You would occasionally hear like stories where I live the suicide rate is like still just like so intensely high. Like it's like third in the nation right now in teen suicide. Oh my God. Even if you didn't know the person, like you were like hearing about it. Right. Hear like a news story about it or something. So it was just like little stories overall, but it was never anybody directly saying it because nobody ever felt comfortable. Like even now, nobody talks about it there. Even though it's just like such a... Invasive, like... Yeah, epidemic there. Yeah. And yet people are still keeping their heads down and not talking about it. What to to the best of your knowledge and awareness, like what is it that you think is contributing to them struggling with with acknowledging it? Why is everyone keeping their head down and not talking about it there? Uh, It has a lot to do with the religion there. Um, It's Salt Lake City. So very, very Mormon. how they react to things and how they respond to things are not the best. They just think that if they tell you to pray about it, then you're just like all your worries are going to go away. And that was one thing that I had a hard time with is I was talking to someone and this was like after I'd left college. And I think it was like, like a school counselor or something. I can't remember who it was, but they just said like, if people tell you to pray about it and you don't believe it doesn't help, that makes you feel more hopeless. Absolutely. And that's, they have a very one-track mind, like one-track mind in Utah, where if you're not Mormon, then they don't deal with you. Like if you're not going to church every Sunday, if you're not praying, if you're not paying your tithing, then you're pretty much just like. An outcast. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they make everybody feel that way. So the, I think the biggest reason why it is like that is because they make this, gays and lesbians and trans feel so they're not welcome in the church at all so all these teens that feel like they're gay or lesbian can't come out to their family right i think it's 50 percent of the homeless population in salt lake city are because they've they're teens that have been kicked out of their house because they've expressed that they might like the same sex yeah i'm I'm nodding my head because like statistically i've i've heard that i've read that um, that's not uncommon, and and it's heartbreaking. And so it sounds like not only just with them being outcast and not accepted for their humanness, right? Not just being homeless, but that there's also a huge increase in suicide rate. And I mean, I'm drawing the conclusion that they're tied together. Is that how you understand it too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they still do conversion therapy in Salt Lake City. Wow. So it's like, but then. Not to throw anybody under the bus, but, like, I would go to, like, board meetings with ASSP in Utah, and, like, they were, like, so blinded by, like, those views that, like, nothing would ever get done. Basically, it seemed like they were, like, owned by the church. They would sit there and say, like, oh, yeah, I'll just pray about it, or they wouldn't say they believed in conversion therapy, and I know they don't, but, like, how they responded to people opening up about their stories seemed very, like, insincere and seemed like it was very, like, church-based and there's a huge divide in utah like yeah the majority of the state is mormon but like the people that aren't it's like a significant divide it's not like somebody that like oh yeah maybe i'll go to church like it's like they absolutely won't or they will right so and it sounds like because the, the mormon um tradition is pretty clear you know what i mean like there's no gray area where there's other sectors of other religions who are more open to people being human. Whereas here in Utah and specifically with that sect is it's like, if you don't follow these specific guidelines, then you're not welcome. Um, And I would imagine that would be incredibly painful, especially for those, as you said, like teens, because 
as we develop, we figure out our identity and where we fit in the world based on our community and based on our family. And it sounds like even within your own experience, if we're not being validated on the most basic of levels of like, I have an emotion or I have a desire um, from our family, then that is going to cause a tremendous amount of suffering internally for these people. And it just, it absolutely breaks my heart. Even thinking about going to conversion therapy, that doesn't surprise me that suicide rate is so high. Like yeah. the fact that that's still something they're practicing is like the Awful. most absurd thing to me. Yeah. yeah. Utah has so many problems. I noticed them when I lived there, but now that I'm like outside of Utah now, I'm like, like it's even worse than I even remember. Cause my family still lives there. So when they tell me like things that are going on there, I'm like, I can't even like, fathom that because we live in Washington now where it's totally I don't know it's just like you can be yourself I'm like why isn't every place like this right so they hold conference every year and I always will like hear highlighted things and they were saying that if you're feeling depressed you're doing something wrong you're not praying right you're not like believing you need to do something I can't remember exactly how they worded it but that's exactly what they said it's like yeah if you're like, there's something wrong with what you're doing. If you're feeling depressed, they're still saying that this was what 2019. Oh, they're saying that. So the well, fact that like, yeah. they're still saying that right now doesn't surprise me that my parents had no idea how to handle when I lost my best friend because my parents were born and raised in Utah. And so if you're kind of just traditional couple or you've never gone through anything that's taboo like that, like you're not really ever faced with those things. Whereas like once you are faced with it, it's hard for us. It's hard for me to not realize that like people don't put themselves in other people's shoes. Yeah. It just is mind blowing to me. Yeah. A lot, a lot of this is, is mind blowing. And, and here we are just talking about, um, you know, third in the country location where suicide rates are off the charts. We're not even discussing like the rest of the country, which is still just as bad at caring for our struggles in a way that is not making us feel worse like I am cringing like every cell within me cringes when I hear people describe situations where they are blaming the person who has whether it's depression or anxiety or trauma or substance use disorders when you blame that person you are literally setting them up for failure and it's yeah. just like, I can't even, I get so, <laughs> this is where I get most tongue tied is because when I get, I myself get emotional and overwhelmed with like how wrong that is and how harmful that is. Uh, it just infuriates me because in my mind, it doesn't make any sense why we would blame somebody for a mental health condition. These conditions are bred from just basic human experience. And they only ever become clinical when it's chronic, you know? So, mm-hmm. okay, like before I start going on a more of a tangent, <laughs> I have to stop. <laughs> I'll let you continue. So you left off when you got your business license and it happened to be the day after your brother-in-law passed. What happened? When I first got it, I was still going to school. So luckily, as I was still trying, I was actually like picking my teacher's brain on certain things. I'm like, how do I do this? How do I do this? Some of my teachers were fine, but like other ones weren't, but like it was just the school's policy. They couldn't give me any like leeway because it was the school's policy. So I still really liked my teachers. That's good. So they, without knowing, kind of helped me with my designs. And after I left school, I was working and I took a break from soccer I took a break from everything I was doing. It was just working at a coffee shop and then working on building Endure. Like when my original logo was just like a ribbon, just because, you know, the stereotypical ribbon. But I knew like the whole time that was just a placeholder. Yeah. It's going to be something different. And I just, without knowing it, it was like I was going to get my logo once I started processing what was going on. I didn't even want to think about playing soccer. Like I was like so mad that I wouldn't be able to play in college anymore. I was just so mad about the whole thing that I didn't even want to touch a soccer ball, which is probably the first time I'd ever done that my entire life. Yeah. I started just hiking a lot. Anytime that I could, I would just go hiking. That was kind of where I started healing was 
whenever I was just like so frustrated or like overwhelmed, I would just go on a hike and I would come back and I'd be like, okay, like I can deal with this with like a clear head. And so that's how I kind of tied endurance to the outdoors. I was raised in a place where you have to pray. Like you have to sit there and pray and all your problems will go away. And like you're told in like AA meetings and stuff that like you have a higher power and they, they kind of say that same thing when you're grieving and right. I couldn't, you just associate that with God. I didn't want to. I've had that like shoved in my mind for so long and I'd never believed it before. And so I was like, that's not going to help me now. I started working with a graphic design, a freelance graphic designer. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of things with rehab centers, like help them do their branding and help them with whatever they needed. And I was talking to one of the ladies that was the owner of one. And she was like, yeah, like your higher power doesn't have to be God. Like it can be like nature. That was like the moment that I was like, that's totally what mine is. And the fact that like, I don't know why I needed that. It's okay. Like, it's okay if it's not this. It can be like other things. And I was just, wow, that's totally what it is. Like that's why I've been going out in nature. And that explains it perfectly. So then... That was kind of my way of being like, okay, like this is how I'm healing. I'm, it's not like putting a bandaid on it like I have for so long. It's actually like helping me heal. And so the majority of my healing was because I was just, I would go out on hikes whenever I could by myself and just like think about everything that was going on and kind of just process it in my, my way that helped me better understand what I was going through. And so that was a big reason why I took Endure and kind of moved it into like the outdoor company because I think that so many people need to know that God doesn't have to be the only thing that helps you get through things and nature helps more people than they even realize right I mean they're coming out with studies now and like REI is like coming out with all these studies that they've been doing forever and people are starting to listen to it but it's nature is such an important thing when it comes to mental health and like that's why I was reading an article saying that places that have a lot of like high suicide rates um, I don't remember where New York is, but it was, they were saying that it's because people just get stuck in the city and then they just kind of get stir crazy and nobody really knows like, oh, if you go out in nature, like, I mean, and it's not for everyone. Like sometimes like religion does help with people, but right. I think everybody thinks that that's the only reason, like that's the only way. Right. And especially in Salt Lake City, like that's the only way. So when I kind of discovered my own way and like, I guess I was technically doing like an experiment on myself without even knowing. Right. I remember once I kind of like was putting that together, I was like, okay, now I know what direction I want to go. At first, like I knew kind of where I wanted to take Endure, but I didn't know like how. Right. And I remember one night I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, that was such a good logo idea. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I drew it. Okay, I'm going back to sleep. And then like, if that's still cool in the morning, that's, that'll be my new logo. And that's actually how I came up with my new logo was because I was just like in my dream. I don't even know what it was. I just remember like being like, that's cool. And then I woke up and drew it. And then that's how I came up with my new logo. And then I kind of just started taking it more into the direction of like outdoor. I'm trying to make it so people are supporting mental health and getting the resources out there without feeling like it's in their face. Right. Because like even like, I I mean, I'm still not 100% comfortable like with how certain places talk about it. Right. And that's not their fault. If I'm, I know I'm not the only one that feels uncomfortable yeah. when people talk about it like that. So I'm trying to do it in a more subtle way, but showing people that it is okay to talk about it and it is okay to help with these resources, but it can be in like an outdoor fun way that we can like all enjoy. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't actually be just the traditional sense of therapy. Um, where you're sitting in an office and you're talking to your therapist about it. You know, it's interesting how you had discovered that being out in nature allowed you to process the trauma and process the the pain that you were experiencing in such a natural way. And you say how like nature helps um, us process our mental health. As I see it, and I think you know, goes back to you recognizing that your higher power can be nature. Because for me, um, when I was going through my own process, that's where I landed too. That I didn't align with other terminologies, but I wholeheartedly aligned with nature and, and mother nature and that being like my God. And once that clicked, my internal process and my internal being really felt more grounded because then I suddenly had a place where 
I could go and reconnect with what I see as like what we've come from. Like we are nature, we are beings of cells that came from, you know, the existence of mother nature. And and so it makes sense that if we go back there, if we go back to that place, our human bodies and our minds are going to naturally process what we need to. And you're right about the research. Like there's so much research about the fresh air, about being around the energy that trees emit and in dirt where there's particles and minerals and, you know, germs in there that our bodies actually need in order to feel healthy and to feel at our best. So when I found you and I saw that this was happening for your your process and I saw that this was what you were sharing with others, I got so excited because it really is simple and so beautiful and I think it can be relatable to everyone I mean you said like I know nature's not for everybody and I get that and I immediately went into this place of like thinking of people who are afraid of snakes or afraid of bugs or afraid of like you know some squirrel hopping out and startling them but I think yeah you know if they were able to get through that and recognize even just sitting along a stream where maybe there's a little fewer bugs around that that can really tap into our very primitive human selves to heal. I definitely think that it can help everyone. Yeah. But it's just, it's not for everyone if they're not going to give it a chance to. But right. like you said, like how many people do you see that are like, go and sit next to a stream and listen to it for half an hour and come back mad? Like, I don't think I've ever had a, heard of anyone doing that. Like, they just <laughs> like, it just like helps. It's like kind of like meditation. Like it just, kind of slows everything down yeah and how I was explaining it like my parents would always be like why are you going by yourself I'm like I I don't like I don't feel like I'm by myself like I am but I don't feel like I'm by myself but like I would like go into the mountains and I'd be like so mad or like so upset and I would go out for a little bit and come back yeah everything was still like the same but I was like able to process it in a way where it's like okay this is what I need to do to like get through this this is what I need to do to overcome this. So it was like my place to figure it out and to go back to like the whole everybody. It's like therapy for people. But I was always like taught to be embarrassed to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Like nobody talked about therapy. And even still today, like in Utah, they don't right. talk about it. Obviously there's therapists there. And I, I went a few times when I was old enough to like make my own decision. But I was always like taught to be embarrassed about that don't talk about it don't do it so I think if other people even one Utah like sees that first of all you should be embarrassed about it but second of all you could do other things rather than go to therapy like absolutely you should never be embarrassed about going hiking if that's (laughs) helping you then go do it so it's just like I'm trying to share my story in a way where it makes it more human for people right and share about like our dogs and how like pets significantly reduce both mental and physical health risk. So I'm kind of, I'm sharing my story, but it's to help like connect other people together and like build a community. I want to make Endure more of like a community-based thing rather than like just like a closing line. You know, I want to like bring everybody together and just show that like there isn't one way to do things. You don't just have to like pray about it. You don't have to just go to therapy. Like there's other ways. And another thing I was saying is people get embarrassed about going to therapy sometimes. And then when they go, sometimes it's not what they wanted. Right. It just doesn't help certain people. And I went a couple of times, but mine was more like situational. Yeah. And that helped significantly. But like, I don't feel like I need to go often. Right. But like some people do. But when people are embarrassed about that, like they're not going to even try it one time. Right. So just like, I want to show people that they can like explore the freedom of like what's going to help them heal because there's not... Like they say, like, healing is not like a linear line. It goes and, like, you kind of just have to, like, ride the wave. Absolutely. But, like, make sure that you're, like, trying to better your situation and better yourself. Yeah, and I think, obviously, people have to know what works for them. Again, in our society, we've been raised to believe others and not have, and we have not been raised to trust our instincts, you know, and trust what we know. People come out, you know, mid, late teens, early 20s or mid 20s, and they don't know what works for them because they've never been given the opportunity to test it out and learn. 
with some exception. Obviously, there are some people who who can. But then they go into therapy with this expectation of what they've been taught it's supposed to be like. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from someone and saw just how uncomfortable they were. And I just reminded them that that space was entirely made to be what is useful for them. And then I help them figure out what they need in that space rather than me providing a prescribed idea of what I think they should do. And so it's really great that you are also in line with recognizing that everyone's an individual and, and how they process their pain and how they process the things that we go through is on an individual basis. And we really should look inward to try to figure out what would work best for us. It's just such a beautiful thing. If you allow yourself to get there, it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I want to say I went to therapy about four times. My therapist was great. But I think that was my, I, it was like a breath of fresh air when I knew that it wasn't a prescribed thing, like that I could actually work through it. Yeah. So everything that we talked about, like it was like a breath of fresh air that it wasn't what I was always told. Like yeah. that's where I was like, oh, thank God. Like that, <laughs> like I was just like, okay, well. Like, everything's okay. Like, I can do this. And I, like I said, I only went three or four times, but that's all I needed. Right. Because like I said, it was, like, situational. Yeah, it was just, like, that was what I liked about it. It gave me the freedom to work through it. It was nice to talk to somebody that didn't have any sort of opinion, really. And I think that's one of the few times that somebody actually, like, listened to me. Yeah. Instead of being like, I'm sad. And they're like, no, you're not. Okay. So it was, like, nice to just have somebody to talk to. Yeah. So I want to go back to your logo. Like I said, I was working with a lady, like doing freelance and stuff. Yeah. And so I sent her the picture of my drawing. I might be biased because I came up with this myself, but like, how does this look? And she was like, that is perfect. And so I was like, okay. So then I made it. And then that was kind of when I was like, this is where I'm going with it. Like, this is the direction I want to go. It was a pretty close to an aha moment. You know, I had to like get some feedback from her, but... And it was weird because I've never had that before where I've like dreamt of anything and been like, perfect. And it was just like, right when I woke up, I was like, I need to draw this. Yeah. Like I, that's the only time I've ever done that. Yeah. Is this the Yeti? No, it's actually, this is the logo. Oh, that's the original logo. Awesome. Yeah, With the so trees. The original. Yeah. The Bigfoot is a, a new one actually that I came up with, but that's not my logo, just the design, but I like to tie it on. I love Bigfoot. I love Bigfoot. I don't know if he's real or not, but I think he's a cool guy. A lot of other people think that. So I'm like, okay, I can tie this in, especially living in like the Pacific Northwest. Right. Like everybody is like drawn to Bigfoot things. So I was like, this is perfect. And I love the play on it because, um, and this is why I guess I thought it was your logo. So for those of you obviously who didn't see that, so your logo is the word endure. And then above it are trees. And you have this drawing of uh, Bigfoot. I call him Yeti. I don't know. I'm assuming they're the same. On the drawing, it says, you are not alone. I love that because we are not alone because we don't know if there's other Bigfoots out there. (laughs) And Bigfoot isn't alone because we think about him, (laughs) you know? And I I don't know. I just really love the play on that. And... Um, and it's eye-catching and stands out. Once I saw that, it was like imprinted in my mind, which is what you yeah. want market in terms of marketing for the work that you're doing um, and how exactly. it ties into depression and suicidality and, and all of that I think was just brilliant. Yeah, well, and it's funny because like I'll be walking around and I'll be wearing like my Bigfoot shirt and people, even if they don't say anything, they'll like double take so I'm like, if that's all it takes is like them to double take and yep. just read that and be like, what I want to do is I just want people to know that. So whether they're buying my stuff or they see someone else wearing it, that really to me, it's all about the message. Right. So, I mean, I, I want to do this for a living and like, this is what I know that I'm meant to do. But at the same time, like I'm well aware that I would rather help people than like profit significantly off of it. I'm like working on trying to get into like REI and stuff because I could totally, first of all, see my stuff in REI. And second of all, I think it would be an amazing step in like the outdoor community to get them to realize that it is okay to talk about. But at the same time, I want them to see that like what they're feeling and how they feel when they're going out in nature and how they feel better is they're not alone in that either. 
Because when I found out other people actually like Mother Nature is their higher power, I was like mind blown. Right. I don't know why I thought that I was the only one, but I was just like, oh, like that's a thing. But the fact that I didn't know that, that was a thing, I'm sure plenty of other people don't either. But like you said, like once you found out that that was like validated, I guess, like you were just like, oh, okay, this is working. It's not like putting a bandaid on it again. Like I, like I did with, like soccer was kind of like my bandaid. That's where I chose to escape. So nature was like a place where I was able to like genuinely heal. And so I just want to show other people that is a thing that they can do as well. Like there doesn't have to be like one specific thing to help you heal. Right. Absolutely. In in your efforts to share with others the, the value and the importance of recognizing they're not alone, what other messages does Endure promote? Like what is the ultimate message or the ultimate mission for Endure and for, for you going forward? Uh, a big thing that I, like I have this on the majority of my shirts and it's turn negatives into positives. Like we can all take our negatives and turn them into something beautiful. Like we can all share our story and we should all share our story to help others, but that'll help us also overcome it. Like if I wasn't sharing my story, I don't, I wouldn't, be healed right I wouldn't have like been started working through it and like I don't want to say healed like I'm just like complete and I'm like well yeah because I'm working but like it's forever yeah I wouldn't have started that process to begin with so it's I'm sharing my story but my story is still also being written and I think that that's one thing that you can see like like I said when you look back at like old endure stuff to now like you can almost like see the growth yeah I had a very like I'll say I'll call it an aha moment, but it was like more on the negative side of things. But I've been trying to figure out how I can work more with other suicide prevention companies. And I've consistently gotten the door slammed in my face. Like, and this is like recently. And so I'm kind of at a point where I've realized that I need to like build my own community. Like I need to perfectly merge the outdoor community with the suicide prevention world. Yeah, because there seems to be no room, and I say that in like air quotes, quotes, no room for what I'm doing. And so now I'm just kind of like in uncharted territory because I feel like I'm making a my own path in between them. I'm not really sure how that looks in like the suicide prevention world. I'm mainly focusing like on nature with my with my designs, obviously, but like it's wholeheartedly going back to like suicide prevention, and I'll never ever lose that message but like i said it doesn't seem like any company that has to do with like suicide prevention mental health like is even willing to like give me the time of day so, so it's like i'm kind of just making my own yeah thing. so what is it that you present to them and what's the direct feedback that you get because again i'm i'm perplexed by that yeah i had a phone call with a company that I was actually really, really excited about. I emailed them beforehand and told them what I wanted to do. So right. they were well in the know of what I wanted to do. And what I was presenting to them was to do like a partner patch. With all my sales, I donate 25% to the lifeline. And sometimes I'll do it to like um, the crisis text line and AFSP, but like my number one is the lifeline because they don't get as much direct funding as right. they absolutely deserve. Right. So I was asking this company to do like a partner patch and I would put their logo on. So say you're going to go buy a shirt, you'll go get the Bigfoot one and then you can either do like a partner patch, which how this would look is like you would choose theirs and it would add $5 to the shirt representing that logo as well. That $5 would directly go back to that company. Right. So really it was, they weren't really doing anything. Right. They were allowing me to use their logo. And then I was donating that to them. And then I would be donating the rest of the percentage to the lifeline. So it was really no work for them. Yeah. And they told me that that was fine if I could give them $10,000 up front. What? That was like a moment where I was like, wow, <laughs> like they are not into helping people at all. It was just a wholeheartedly like. Business. All about the money. Yeah. Like that was like the most disheartening thing that I. Cause like I have this problem where I just assume that everybody has like the same heart as I do. Yeah. And I've, I've realized for a long time that that's not true. But then when it comes to like the suicide prevention world, I was just like, Oh, I thought that everybody like cared equally about like helping people. Right. 
Right. I had reached out to a couple other companies about that same thing. And another one, I was told that I can't, trying to say this without giving away who it was, basically couldn't use their resource number as a design, which is mind blowing to me because really if I had a, if I had a number, I would gladly have somebody spread it to anyone because I don't, I don't want control over who knows that number. Like I want everybody to possibly know that number. Right. I mean, just, just on a side note, like a lot of those numbers are spread through social media all of the time. I mean, I don't know that specific company, but I'm assuming. Um, So for them to be oddly protective of that is interesting. I mean, my only thought, and this even seems like a stretch, but my only thought would be that they wouldn't have enough of their own resources to handle an influx of calls. But we're talking about clothing. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not you're not putting this on a billboard. You're not running TV commercials where there would exactly. be a huge influx. This is a small way of reaching a lot of people over a long period of time. So I could see where that would yeah. be very frustrating for you and, and in recognizing even though people and I've I have found this myself, that's why I went into private practice is because you think that you're working with people who have the same drive but somewhere along the line whether it was in the beginning or halfway through their experience in creating their business money became more important than helping people and I think it sounds like you and I are in the same boat and like I don't give a fuck about money like if I can if I can eat and I have a roof over my house and I don't have to worry about my babies then I'm going to do everything I can to help and it is frustrating why are there people out there who don't feel that way. Yeah. And I just remember like getting off that call and like my wife was here and it was how it started was like really good. Like the conversation was good. I was so excited. Yeah. And then they threw that. She's like, I could tell that you just were done. I have nothing else to say. Like, I don't know why I thought that that was the one place where people genuinely just cared about helping people, but that's not the case. And this company, I even asked like, okay, if I can't use your logo, can I use your resource number? Because up until that moment, no matter how like big I've gotten into like the mental health suicide prevention world, I did not know that company had a lifeline number. I had no idea until I was looking up their website. Wow. That's like how good they're spreading it. And they're a bigger company. Yeah. So they were like, no, you can't use the number. And then that's when I started thinking like, is everybody that protective of their numbers? Because I just thought that that was like a thing that was like free game to spread because it's like a resource that you want people to know. Yeah. So then I reached out to two other companies and we're like, are we cool if I use this? And one of them straight up said no. And then that's when I was like, wow, like people really, I get if I was using your logo without permission, but it's just the number. And they just flat out said no. So I feel like I'm kind of on this like path that I'm like building as I'm walking. I mainly want to get into like the outdoor community but with what I have, like with all my designs and everything. So that's coming with me, but I'm kind of trying to like break my way into the outdoor community. Yeah. And then through that, that's how I'll spread it. That's awesome. I, um, after when we're done here, I have some people that I'd love to connect you with um, that I used to work with and who was one of my mentors too, who does uh, adventure recovery here on the East Coast. I think you guys would really like connect super well because it sounds like you guys are within the same kind of vein in that way this particular person is like the most down-to-earth human i've i've probably ever met so we uh, need we need more of those yes yes and just thankfully for us to connect like we need more opportunities for us to connect connect on these levels so that we do know that we're not alone in this fight to destigmatize mental health <laughs> and to prevent suicide because it is so preventable. It is so preventable and absolutely necessary for any and all of us who've ever experienced our own thoughts or have lost somebody or who have attempted. It's pervasive. And if we don't mm-hmm. keep talking about the stories that we've had and our experiences, then we're going to just keep losing people unnecessarily. And so I'm absolutely honored and excited and grateful for the work that you're doing and for your perseverance your endurance (laughs) I think you're doing amazing work 
Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd really like the listeners to know, whether about your story or about how you healed or about where you're headed with Indoor? Really, I just want to go wherever anybody needs to know these resources, whether it's the resources or just the message that you're not alone or just seeing a different way of healing. Like, I just want to get in front of all those people and share my story and inspire them to share their theirs because that's really the only way to truly heal. So if anybody's, if you're trying to open up and they're shutting the door in, in your face, like, yeah. know that that's not everyone's response. Right. Like, there are people out there that genuinely care and there are resources out there that, like, you can talk to without any biased opinion. They won't ever shut you down. Right. They won't ever just be like, tell you how you need to fix it. Like they'll help you and walk you through the steps that you need to know. Getting the door shut in your face when you're trying to open up is not a normal response. Right. And sometimes it's hard to find those people, but that's why those resources are in place. Yeah. And to keep searching, yeah. you know, for, for me in my own story, it was having to continually put myself out there in search of like-minded people and in search of people who were aligned with the way that I saw the world and the way that I understood the world for me to heal, for me to understand that I wasn't alone. And I'm so grateful for that because it's it's gotten me to this place in my life where I'm ecstatic at being able to have the opportunity with this podcast to pull everyone together from across the country. You know, like, it's just fucking cool. <laughs> You're taught when you're, this is something that I've noticed, like when you're taught when you're younger that like the people that you're raised with are the people that you need to just stick with your whole life. Right. And like, so you just, that's who you're supposed to be with and you should just, even if you don't agree with them, like that's just who you knew. The moment that I realized that that's not how it is and like we need to surround ourselves with like-minded people is around the same time that I started healing. Like you just kind of need to like protect your energy like the people around you like who you're giving your energy to because if you're exhausting yourself and these people aren't even giving you 10 percent return then why even like waste time like that sounds kind of mean but like at the same time like they need to find like-minded people too like you can't just sit there and try to change somebody for yourself so you just kind of have to there are people out there that are just like you and want to do the same things as you so just kind of keep searching like you said yeah and you'll find them and then you'll realize you're not alone and we'll build this massive community where everyone is loved and supported and respected and validated for their emotions and validated for their struggles and validated for being a fucking human. Yeah. If we could do that. (laughs) Yeah. If we could do that, uh, the world would be a lot better place. The world would be a lot better place. Absolutely. Okay, so where can people find you? So the main thing that we're on is Instagram. Um, that's our number one thing that we're on. And then uh, we have a website. It's, uh, sorry, my Instagram handle is at Ender underscore life. And my website is www.enderlifenow.com. Awesome. And I'll make sure I have those links up on the website to where we have the podcast episode launched at. Perfect. And then I've actually started a blog within the last little while. And I was hoping that we could do an interview. I could send you an e-interview outline, but then I would love to like post the podcast on there. Absolutely. Totally. Perfect. Again, like I am all for spreading it. Let's spread it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure after all the other situations I've had, (laughs) you're like, no, you have to pay me $10,000. No. Listen, (laughs) zero, zero, zero. Spread the word. Let's help others. Um, I am, again, really grateful for you sharing your story and being real about what you're experiencing and having gone through what you've gone through and coming out on the other side, recognizing how valuable it is to share our stories. Keep doing it. You're rocking. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Join me on the next episode of Unfuck Your Head as we continue to build a community where understanding human health is at the forefront of real change. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Unfuck Your Head Podcast. You can also check out upcoming podcasts, my blog, and ways to contribute to our mission 
by visiting our website at unfuckyourhead.org. Fuck your head.